Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. All right. Yep, I got me an extra table up here. You know, us girls, we take a little extra. <laughs> we got to have extra. How's everybody doing this morning? Woohoo! So blessed to be in the house of God. Absolutely. How many of you have ever had what I call a doozy of a week? Do y'all know what that is? A doozy of a week? You ever had one? Anybody have one this week? Okay, well, I need to talk to you for just a few minutes about my week, all right? Now, I love my husband so good, and I love my children, but let me tell y'all about how much I love my dogs. <laughs> I love my dogs. Like, a lot of days, they are my only best friend. Any dog lovers in here? Okay, well, we're going to just pray for the rest of y'all because you do not understand the companion of a dog. But anyway, this week... One day I was sitting in the living room in our big brown comfy recliner and I was just hanging out with my dogs and reading a book and just enjoying, you know, taking a break. And like us women do, that break didn't last very long because all of a sudden I thought of something that I needed to be doing, right? Couldn't sit in there, had to get up. So I got up and went and did a few things and I began to notice that I could not find our little brown dog, Lily, she's a Pikachu. She's so cute. Wish I had brought pictures for y'all, you know, like they're my grandbabies. But anyway, um, she's so cute. I began to notice that I couldn't find her anywhere. I looked in the bedroom. I looked in the kitchen. I walked all over the house looking for this dog. And all of a sudden, it came into my mind, I know that I did not shut that brown dog in that brown recliner. So I went back in the living room, and I took the lever like that, and I looked under the chair, and there was Lily sitting there like this looking at me, and I was like, oh, baby, come on out, and I loved on her, and she was fine, just a little scared, but that wasn't the end of the story because the very same day, I was in the kitchen, and I had the dishwasher open, and y'all, I had made this good bottle of homemade ranch. Now, come on, let's give it up for some good ranch. Don't y'all love good ranch? Oh, my. I love ranch more than that. Don't y'all love some good ranch? You know you appreciate that. So I made some good homemade ranch, and I had it in a bottle, and I had the top rack of the dishwasher pulled out. Now, I did not rinse out the bottle after it was empty, so it still had residue in it. And I put it down on the top shelf of the dishwasher, and I look, and our other little dog, Bella, was standing in the dishwasher, and the ranch was dripping all over the top of her head. Y'all, this was the very day she had got groomed. $40 down the drain, you know what I'm saying? So I thought, well, being the good mother that I am, Oh, they're my grandbabies, rather, so the good grandmother that I am. I picked her up, and I put her on the kitchen counter, and I took that little nozzle out of the sink and began to rinse the ranch out of her hair. Her little poof was gone that she got from the groomer. So I was rinsing out of her hair, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I smell smoke. I am smelling smoke up in here. What is this? Y'all, that dog had stuck her tail in the candle on the kitchen counter. 
And I was like, not only has she stuck her tail in there, but she was just looking at me, wagging her tail, and she put the fire out that was on her tail and was slinging wet wax everywhere all over my kitchen. No one was harmed in these acts. Everyone is good. The dogs are good. But I thought, you know what? I get to preach Sunday, so I'm going to ask my church friends for y'all to please pray for my dogs. They need some prayer, you know? Whew, so that was just part of my week. That was all in one day. But I'm ready for the word this morning. Are you ready? Stand with me this morning. Look at your neighbor and tell them that God is greater than COVID. I don't know. I just think some people might have forgot how great our God is and that he has no rival and that we will not fear any giant because he is God, he is good, and we are going to see a victory. Everything that the enemy thought was going to destroy us only is pushing us closer into what God has for us this morning. So I hope you're ready to receive. Amen? You can be seated. We're going to talk this morning a message that I'm going to share, and it's entitled, My Heart's Cry, The Heart's Cry. But it's not just my heart's cry this morning. It should be your heart's cry. It should be the cry of every child of God. And we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 1. Verses 6 through 15. And you know what's amazing? Like, we already had first service. So my voice is gone. I cried off my makeup, shouted out my voice. But I feel so honored and privileged that we get to do it again. Y'all going to join me this morning? We're going to praise the Lord again, hear his word again. So we're going to lay some groundwork here before I read that out of that chapter 1 in 1 Samuel to you. But Elkanah had two wives. And let me just go ahead and tell you that I sat down last night with Pastor Steve, and we had a lesson on how to pronounce Hebrew names. Um, I failed. Failed my test. So, um, you know what? I'm just not really good at pronouncing Hebrew names. So today, Pania is going to be Penny. Y'all good with that? Can we just have Penny? Because you know what? You name your children these long names, and then you just give them a nickname. So we're just going to do that today. Y'all good? All right. So he had two wives. He had Penny and he had Hannah. And, of course, I love Hannah. I love the name Hannah. Y'all know why? Because my baby girl is named Hannah. And I love that. So Hannah was Elkanah's first wife. After they had been married for many years, he also took Penny as a wife due to Hannah's barrenness. Many in the Old Testament would have a second wife if there was a famine or infertility. Penny was fruitful, but the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. Hannah lived every day watching as Penny was fruitful. Hannah lived every day longing for God to allow something to be birthed on the inside of her. We see in the Word of God that this family most definitely had some issues that they were dealing with. Let's pick up reading here with me in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 6 through 15. After her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb, so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. That's talking about Penny is provoking Hannah. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat, and why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in shallow. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. 
and she was in the bit, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. See, as we read in that text, Hannah was faced with many really tough situations. The word says that Penny would provoke Hannah severely to make Hannah miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Penny, her rival, provoked her. It says that every time Hannah made her way to the house of the Lord, her rival would provoke her. I'm sure that she was shouting words at her to make her feel ashamed. I'm sure she was shouting words at her to make her feel inadequate and to make her feel less than. But God wanted to birth something on the inside of Hannah. And her rival would shout down at her to try to make her feel ashamed and make her feel inadequate and make her feel like that surely she wasn't anything that God could birth something on the inside of. You see, church, when you get desperate for God to burst something in you, the devil's going to try to rival the plans that God has for your life. The devil is going to provoke you, and he'll use things that you don't even realize as arrows against your life. I pray today that God would open the eyes of the church to understand and see in the spirit the things that the devil is using to try to come again against the plans of God for the child of the believer. Yet it is a scheme to destroy you and to keep you from being the vessel that God wants to bless and use mightily for his glory. The question is, when that happens, when you're, the things that are trying to rival the plan of God for your life start shouting at you and coming against you, how will we respond? How will you respond? In verse 7, we see Hannah in a state of weeping. She did not eat. In verse 10, it says that she was a woman with bitterness of soul. In verse 15, it says that she had a sorrowful spirit. She was troubled in her spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, troubled in spirit. She was troubled in her spirit. You see, in these moments when her world was turned upside down and everything seemed to be stacked against her, Hannah made a choice. Hannah made a choice to stop speaking out of her grief. Hannah made a choice to stop speaking out in her complaint. We can experience a season of weeping. We can experience a season of bitterness of soul and even a sorrowful spirit, but not allow it to cause us to become a bitter person. See, Hannah did not allow the voices around her and the things she could see with only her natural eye to actually make her a bitter person. We see that the word says that Hannah poured 
her heart out to God. I want you to get that phrase today. Hannah poured her heart out to God. You see, she wept. Hannah went to the altar of God, and the word says that she poured her soul out before the Lord. We are living in a season of time when it should be first and foremost that the church especially should be making it a priority to pour our soul out to the Lord. We should be desperate, church, for God to birth something on the inside of us. We should be desperate, church, for God to birth something on the inside of us. I sat there today in that pew before church started, and I looked up here at this platform, and everything was dark. The platform was dark. The lights weren't on. The screen was dark. And I shot a picture because I thought, my God, one day that's what the church is going to look like. One day people out there after the Lord returns, they're going to want to run into the house of God. They're going to try to get through those doors. They're going to try to come down this aisle and get to the altar to pour their heart out to God. But it'll be too late. Now is the time, church, that we should be weeping at the altar of God and crying out for God to burst something on the inside of us to say, Lord, we are desperate for you. We are desperate for revival. And God, would you burst something on the inside of me that creates something that's bigger than who I am. Because, God, you are great and you are good and you desire to bring the lost in. Amen. Anybody with me this morning? We're living in a season when it should be a priority. Pour out our soul to the Lord. We should be desperate. God birthed something on the inside of me. God birthed something on the inside of me, something of purpose, something that says, Lord, send a revival. Lord, send a revival and let it begin in me. How will we respond when things around us seem barren? And how will we respond as a church when things around you are just crying and crying and saying it's all hopeless? How will we respond when things in our lives try to rival God in what he says? But I want to tell you this morning, there is hope and there is no rival for God. We sang this morning, we're going to see a victory and we won't stand in fear of any giant because we will see God use the things that the enemy intended for evil for good. You see, there'll be things in your life that try to speak over you as Penny spoke over Hannah, provoked out of envy provoked out of jealousy, provoked out of a desire to make you walk in a state of defeat. I don't know about you today, but I refuse to walk in a state of defeat. I will walk fully in the abundant life and victory that Christ came for me to have, and I will choose that every day as my feet hit the floor, even in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe you've heard the loud voices of anxiety lately. Maybe you've heard the loud voices of fear lately. And maybe many of you even sit in the house of God today or you're watching online with a troubled spirit. Maybe instead of taking your bitterness of soul to the Lord and troubled spirit, you have allowed it to begin to make you a bitter person. In the midst of a barren land, when like never before we should be preparing for revival that is going to sweep across this nation, we've got to ask the question, will we individually... Will we individually be positioned to receive what God is going to do? Will we as a church be looking to the right and be looking to the left as voices and media and wolves in sheep clothing? Come on, somebody. Rally for our ears. 
They rally for our attention. Or will we be found at the altar of God, pouring our heart out to God and weeping before God, saying, God, I truly do want you to send revival, and I know it's coming. And I want to be positioned in a place to receive all that you have for me. Call me old-fashioned, but I believe in the power that is at the altar of God, where God moves and saves and delivers and sets free, because it is in his presence alone that we will see revival come. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. And I can't help but declare 2 Chronicles 7, 14 today. And it says, If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and shall seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I find it very interesting that in that scripture we see the phrase, humble themselves. You know, it's a humbling act for a lot of Christians today to come to the altar and kneel before God and pour your soul out to him and weep before the Lord. But can I tell you that it's in that place of humbleness and brokenness before God. As Hannah came, she went past all the naysayers. She went past all the things that were coming against her, the voices of those that were rivaling against her. And she said, I need to be at the feet of Jesus. I need to be at the feet of Jesus, and I need to pour my soul out to him. And she wept before him because she knew that she wanted something to be birthed on the inside of her. It's time that Christians stop quoting Scripture and start living it. You know there's a difference between quoting the verse and living it. There's a difference between quoting 2 Chronicles, if my people which are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You know, there's a difference in quoting that and getting on your face before God and pouring your heart out to God and weeping before God that he would heal not only our land but heal us. We've got to live like we're going to see the victory. We've got to live like our God reigns. See, in verse 3, we see a powerful moment. Elkanah, her husband, he would go up yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. And whenever the time came to make an offering, he would give portions to Penny, his wife, and to all her sons and to all her daughters. Oh, but to Hannah... He would come and he would give a double portion. Say a double portion. Oh, yeah. Oh, a double portion. For he loved Hannah even though her womb had been closed. A double portion. You see, the barrenness of Hannah did not cause him to love her less but rather more. He instead wanted to comfort her in her affliction. Do you understand how prophetic that was that her husband came and gave her a double portion? You see, he didn't give her just portion enough for one, but he gave her enough for two because she was believing for God to pour something on the inside of her and birth something on the inside of her. And when you get on your face before God and you ask God to birth something on the inside of you, you can expect to receive a double portion But he caught because he knows there is more on the way and he knows that there is more coming. When you have been filled with God, when you have been pouring your heart out to God, he's going to hear your cry. And in time, he will move on behalf of his children. Last week, Pastor Steve mentioned 
in his message how Christians today would never make it through the fiery furnace or the lion's den or times in prison. And I completely agree with that. And I began to think about that and think about how powerful that was. And I'm sure that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't the only ones thrown in the fiery furnace. I'm sure that Daniel was not the only one who faced the lion's den. I'm sure that Paul and Silas weren't the only ones who did time in jail. But yet, in the Word of God, we get to read about their journey. We read about them because in a season of barrenness, we read about them because in a season of famine and in a season of wickedness, I'm telling you, sometimes, somewhere, they had found an altar and they had poured their heart out to God and God came near and God gave them a double portion. He gave them a song in the night. He gave them praise over panic. He gave them what they needed on the inside of them that even though they were in the lion's den and they were in the furnace and they were in prison, they knew that even though it looked barren and even though it looked hopeless, they served a God that was victorious. No matter how barren your season seems, God is working. Just because all you see with your natural eye is barrenness doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. It doesn't mean that God is not raising up people. Can I tell you that God is raising up a remnant of people, and it's unlikely people. See, the day that God decided to use me and the day that God decided to use you, he chose some very unlikely people. But God is raising up an unlikely group, a remnant of people that will stand and say, God, I want a double portion. I want a double portion of who you are. I want a double portion of your spirit because I want you to birth something on the inside of me that is fresh. I want the anointing of God on the inside of me because when the day comes that all you have is God, I'm going to tell you that God is all that you're going to need to stand in the lion's den and stand in the fiery furnace and to stand in prison. And it's only just begun for the church. But I'm telling you, it's time to weep and cry and call out to God and humble ourselves before God because he is the one that will come through. Isaiah 61.7 promises a double portion of joy and blessing upon Israel. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. God restored to Job twice as much as he originally had before his time of testing. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. It could be said that Job received a double portion. You know, we cannot pray away the book of Revelation. We can't pray away the things that God has spoken and said that will come to pass in this land. But what we can do is be praying for God to give us the courage to stand boldly in the face of opposition. For God to give us the strength and the courage to stand and declare what thus says the Lord. You see, we're not crying out with our voice, but we're crying out with God's voice to say what is right and what is truth. And that's what we can pray today. How many of you know that God has a purpose and a plan in all things? What you see with your natural eye is not what's always happening. You see, even in the journey that Hannah walked, God used the burden of Hannah's heart to bring a larger solution to a plan that God had for the nation of Israel. 
You see, barrenness was not only the condition of Hannah's heart, but it was also the condition of Israel. Israel was in a condition of spiritual need. And God was seeking. God was seeking and God was looking for a voice to speak on behalf of his people. And Hannah had no idea that her intense intercession for a child, her intense prayer, that something, I want you to catch this, her intense prayer, her crying out to God for something to be birthed on the inside of her would not only bless her, but it would bless a whole nation. Hannah chose to pour her heart out to God, and he moves on her behalf, but he also advances his kingdom. He also advances a greater purpose through her at the same time. See, Hannah was just a girl crying out to God, saying, Lord, make me fruitful. God, let me be obedient. God, use me. Let something be birthed on the inside of me. You see, church, are we walking through difficult times? Yes. Will we walk through more uncharted territories to come? Probably so. Does God have a plan? Yes, he does. And God desires to use you for his glory, and that will never change. He loves you even when you feel barren. He loves you even when you feel like everything around you is trying to rival the faithfulness and goodness of God. Aren't you thankful for that? See, if you'll pour your heart out to him, he'll give you a double portion of blessing, and he'll give you a double portion of strength for this season. And God will birth something on the inside of you that isn't just for you, but it's for a greater purpose than you, a purpose to advance his kingdom. Verse 13 says that Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And I completely agree that there are moments and times and situations where our voice needs to be heard where we need to stand up and we need to declare out with our voice. But I want to remind you today that if you truly want your voice to be heard in a barren land, you need to make sure that you have first poured your heart out to God and that you have heard His voice. You see, there are so many things that only God can do. See, where your strength ends and His power begins is where miracles happen. It's where the miracle comes, and there's so many things that only God can do. And when your voice becomes God's voice through you, you're going to see change. When your voice becomes God's voice through you, you're going to see change. Psalms 25, 4 through 5 says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. How many of you believe God still speaks to his children? Believe God still speaks to his children. I'm here to tell you that God still speaks to his children. And he is speaking even in this season that we are in, where if we're not listening for the right voices, everything seems barren and everything seems hopeless. But I'm here to tell you today that there is hope. There is hope in the one who is hope. He is hope. He has come to bring hope to this world. And he is moving and he is speaking. But we have to listen. He speaks through his word. And he speaks through the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? Aren't you thankful that in moments you have got the Holy Spirit to give you strength and courage that you need? I don't know where we would be without the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit is like a fire shut up in your bones. When things come against you, it's like there's something just on the inside of you that says you can't quit, you can't stop because you're going to see a victory. A.W. Tozer said, God will speak to the hearts of those who prepare themselves to listen. And the flip side of that is those who do not prepare themselves will hear nothing. Even though the Word of God is falling upon their outer ears every Sunday. I feel like I need to read that again. A.W. Tozer, God will speak to the hearts of those who prepare themselves to hear. But the flip side of that is those who do not prepare themselves will hear nothing. Even though the Word of God is falling upon their ears every Sunday. It was probably about three and a half years ago. I was talking with my husband and I shared this with him because, you know, when God is just so amazing and he's so good and he's speaking, you just want to share that with others because you just want to say, hey, honey, let's just see God move, see what God does. And about three and a half years ago, I was in a time of prayer, and the Lord laid on my heart. The Lord spoke to me and said that during the reign, during the term of President Trump, that people would cry for peace. Now, this was right at the time that President Trump had taken office. We had not been through anything that we've been through in the last little bit. And I went to my husband, and I said, I don't know what this means, but God said that people would cry for peace during the term of President Trump. And I'm not here today to predict what that means, but I am here to say that God is speaking to his church. God is speaking to his church. And even years after that, as I stood in my bedroom about three weeks ago, I stood there and I could not get out of my spirit what God had told me. God, have, have people cried for peace in the way that you're trying to tell me? Has it happened? I don't know for sure. But I know that a sense of need to pray came over me so strongly. My husband and I were standing in the bedroom just doing chores. And I told him, I said, I've got to go to an altar. I've got to pray. And I went and I knelt beside my bed in my bedroom, and I don't always take my Bible with me when I pray, but I begin to, as Hannah did, I just took my troubled spirit, and I poured my heart out before God, and I wept, and I don't know why God told me that. I mean, I'm telling you, God speaks if you'll listen. He spoke to me many times throughout my life, and it's always come to pass. Sometimes it takes years, but He's always faithful. And I began to pray, and I opened up my Bible. I wanted, I felt such a need to pray, and I got so excited when this happened. I wanted to run and tell Pastor Steve, but then I was like, but I need to pray. And it was just, you know, God was just so good. But I opened up my Bible, and I know you hear stories like this, but I'm not kidding. I opened up to this page. And God didn't lead me to a scripture, and God didn't lead me to a chapter. But he led me to a little gray box, a little commentary inside my Bible. 
And beside it, I wrote, wow, 2020 March, prayer time. And the bold letters in that gray box say, praying for the nations, intercession. And it says, consider the dynamic power of God's declaration of what He can do with any one of us. Threshing means interceding. And God links it with the nations. Further, He encourages us that if we will yield to the Holy Spirit, obey His promptings, and believe that He is working, He will use us to radically change the course of the history of the nations as we pray. Our responsibility is to be interceding for every nation of the world. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Seek a systematic plan of praying for each of the world's nations. Make your main focus to be on the body of Christ in those nations. God has shaped history around his people and he still calls. He's still calling to them to expect to shape the history of the nations. Intercession is foundational to this. God is speaking to his church. And it's time that we care about it enough to just stop saying things and quoting scripture and start living it like never before. And allow Hannah to set an example for us as women, men, children, boys, girls, whoever, that we humble ourselves and we're willing to get in a posture of prayer and weep and cry out to God that he would birth something on the inside of us that is bigger and greater than who we are. You know, I can't help but be reminded of Habakkuk in the Bible. Habakkuk 1, 2, and 3. It says, How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? What, why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? See, Habakkuk was a prophet to God's people and he was troubled in spirit about the barrenness of the society around him. Like never before, church, if your spirit is not troubled for the lost, if your spirit is not troubled for what is going on in our land, you, like never before, need to get at the altar of God. See, Habakkuk had one driving force in the midst of it all, and that was that he wanted to hear from God. He wanted to hear the voice of God, and not only did he want to hear the voice of God, but he wanted to obey God, and then he wanted to be used by God. See, he wanted God to birth something on the inside of him. We're in a time frame in our society where there's a lot of voices saying a lot of things, and nothing wrong with wanting to let your voice be heard. But as Christians, as the church, we should stand up not for just what we believe, but we should be standing up for what God has said because it's what God has said in the truth of His Word that is going to make a change not only in this church, in your life, your community, your family, but this nation. Is your voice being heard or is God's voice being heard? Is your voice shouting out or is God's Word being declared? See, Hannah wept before God in anguish for her barren womb. Yet little did she know that her cries 
would bring forth a spiritual renewal in a barren land. Does God want to use you today? Does God want to position you in a place where you need to get before God and you need to pour out your soul and you need to weep before Him and you need to ask God to birth something on the inside of you in the midst of barrenness and hopelessness and things that are trying to come against you? See, in Samuel chapter 2, we see Hannah's prayer. And I won't read that today, of course, for time's sake, but in chapter 2, if you want to read that later, it's Hannah's prayer. And in that moment, we know probably that at this point, her mouth is wide open declaring the goodness of God. I'm sure that more than her lips were moving at this point. Hannah says that her heart rejoiced in the Lord. Her heart rejoiced in the Lord. Her heart rejoiced in the Lord. She poured her heart out to God, and God did what only God could do because God always has a plan that's bigger than what you see. And even on this day, in her prayer when she was rejoicing in the Lord, we know that Hannah is leaving her boy at the tabernacle, her only child at the tabernacle, never for him to live with her again. Of course, she couldn't rejoice in her situation. Of course, she couldn't rejoice in what she could see with her physical eye. But she could rejoice in the Lord. Because the Lord that she came and poured her heart out to, the Lord that she came and wept before, the Lord that she came and said, God, make me fruitful, birth something on the inside of me that not only changes my life, but changes the lost and changes my community and changes my nation for your glory. In most desperate times and desperate situations, when it seems that we have nothing to rejoice in, would you join me today in rejoicing in the Lord? Would you join me today in rejoicing in the Lord? We can rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Today, by faith, even though our enemies breathe out violence and things seem barren, even though deceit and wickedness is rampant, because of who God is, we can declare, God, you are good. God, you are worthy. God, you are on the move. You are moving within me, and you are in this very moment preparing me and birthing something new on the inside of me. Psalms 27, 13, stand with me, says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Somebody in this place today, you know, they might act like they don't need to hear it, but you need to hear it because you've almost lost heart a couple of times. You've almost given up a couple of times. But today, don't lose heart. Believe that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I can't tell you what you'll see on this side of eternity. I can't tell you what's to come on the, this side of eternity. But I can tell you, you will see the goodness of the Lord if you have poured your heart out before Him and received Him as your Savior. Because we will stand before the Lord. There will be multitudes and nations that will gather around His throne and will lift up His goodness and will lift up His faithfulness and declare, Holy, Holy. Holy, holy are you, Lord. The day is coming. I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness. Stay with God. Look at your neighbor and say, stay with God. Sometimes you're going to need to hear that. 
You get in the fiery furnace. You get in prison. You're facing those lines in the lion's den. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to whisper in your heart and tell you, stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. God wants to use you today. God wants to birth something on the inside of you that is greater and bigger than who you are. Our worship team is going to sing a song here in just a few minutes. And I'm just going to ask for two things. Number one, I'm going to ask that we as a church today, whether you're here in person or online, that you pour your heart out to God. Honestly, I shouldn't have to ask the church to pour their heart out to God. But I'm asking you today to humble yourself, to move out of your comfort zone and humble yourself and pray and pour your heart out to God. Maybe you need to weep before the Lord today. Maybe you need to just understand the importance of pouring your heart out to God at the altar and letting your heart be heard. God can use your intercession to impact your life, your church, your community, and this nation. Today, I'm asking you to lay aside everything that hinders. See, there's coming a day that you won't have the opportunity to come to these altars. Does it make me weak? You bet it does. I weep for it now because when I get to heaven, God will wipe away every tear. And I'll be in His presence. But some people can't say that. And today you have the opportunity and you have the chance to come to this altar, kneel at your seat, and pour your heart out to God and weep before God on your behalf, on your family's behalf, on behalf of this nation and say, God, we are crying out for revival. We are crying out for a move of you and we are asking that you birth something on the inside of us today. Number two, ask God to birth something within you today. Stop counting yourself out. The mistakes you've made, the shame, whatever it is you're bearing, that your rivals are shouting at you, let it go in the name of Jesus. Let it go in His presence and know that God wants to bless you and fill you with a double portion today. Rejoice in the Lord. As revival comes, ask God to use you to be a light in a dark world and that we in faith assembly and I'm asking that for this church today because this is where God's called me to as far as the church. And I'm asking today that we as Faith Assembly cry out to God and ask Him that He would bring the lost in and that we would see not only the Christians in the altars weeping and crying out to God, but the lost would come in while the doors are still open and while we're still preaching the Word in these cameras, that the lost would come in and that God would use us to be a light to see that happen. I want us to sing today, and I'm asking that you find a place of prayer. The altars are open, and then in a few minutes, we've got 10 minutes that we can say right now, we're going to do this as a church, and then I'll come back and close this out.